politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight again for life, liberty, property. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here at CR Podcast Blaze Media. And it is Wednesday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. Well, Phil, the groundhog, saw his shadow today. We have six more weeks of winter. Do you think we're going to have six more weeks of biomedical fascism winter or perhaps six more months or six more years of this tyranny well as always that is up to us generally speaking broadly speaking what's going on the last couple days couple weeks and it's going to happen is all the people that were behind the eight ball for two years for two years that that joined in with this genocide, including the Republicans, certainly didn't stop it, contributed Mitch McConnell, all these people, trillion-dollar bills, destroyed our economy, destroyed our physical health, mental health, the future of our kids from the mask, the lockdown, the shutdown of schools, then destroyed us with the shots, with the virus, with the blocking of treatment. All of that. It's truly hard to express in words. What has gone on the last two years? They're all going to want to walk away from this now. But as we've said, it's not really walking away from it. All it means is some of the specific mandates, as we speak now, will fall off for the time being. But all the damage that was created, we will be living with. And we're here to dig out of that. But I'm just telling you, Republicans are going to try to run away from it as soon as possible. Finally, you know, say, yeah, you know, we should we should end all this stuff. Let's move on. And you know what? Again, the Democrats are not going to keep this up headed into the midterm elections. They were always going to get rid of it at some point, but not really get rid of it. We're going to talk to later today Dr. Stephanie Seneff, an MIT scientist, about the depth of concerns with these shots, particularly long-term. That needs to be investigated by every state. McConnell needs to promise when he takes over the Senate a commission on this. We need to immediately detect, diagnose, and treat these people. This is not okay. The people that push this need to be held responsible. But they're not headed in that direction. I want to, um, before we bring on our guests, elaborate a little bit on this point. First, one of the ways to fight back and organize strike force teams in each state is to join Patriot Academy's Constitution Coach Program. They have online courses and materials produced by Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, and my dear friend. Through these courses, you'll hear from numerous subject matter experts, including historian David Barton. Uh, Patriot Academy Constitution Training will equip you to be the leader in your community. This is what it is. If you want to take over your school board, your county commission, your state legislature, uh, you know, get involved in the gubernatorial primaries, attorneys general primaries, sheriffs, prosecutors, all this stuff. This is where it matters, particularly in the red states. Uh, you sign up at patriotacademy.com. Find out how to restore a constitutional republic through these Constitution Coach classes. And this is also a good way of finding who are the 40, 50 patriots in your area and come and have a meeting 
this is a great way to get together. So again, you know, honored to be partnered with PatriotAcademy.com. They have multiple terrific programs, and this is just one of them to check out. So here's where I'm coming from. Mitch McConnell announced today, he said in an interview maybe with Politico or one of these uh, uh, news sites that cover Congress, he said it's time to end the emergency declarations, the emergency measures because of the vaccines. So you could always count on the Republicans to be a day late, a dollar short after the damage is already irrevocable and then use the wrong reason. So what that demonstrates is in McConnell's own statement, it demonstrates it's not over with. First of all, Hasn't McConnell checked out Israel and Denmark that have ubiquitous vaccination rates and they have more cases than anywhere in the world? Like, doesn't that kind of bother him? It's because of the vaccines. (laughs) Like, what? It's because everything you did didn't work and you blocked what did work. And largely speaking, what we have is Omicron, which, you know, its infection fatality rate is below that of the flu. But that's not the point. But it's not just that he's off message. Folks, even if tomorrow, okay, tomorrow, they ended every mask mandate and every vaccine mandate in the country, which, by the way, is no given, we still have millions of kids to this day being forced to wear masks. We still have, you know, the the airplanes and all these other places, and we still have numerous cities and states where they're firing people, saying you can't gain access to public uh, goods uh, w- without the shots. So this is not even anywhere near over. But even if that was all over tomorrow, Pfizer submitted an EUA to shove their poison on babies and toddlers. And the FDA, actually that the, the government is urging them to do it. This is so illogical and immoral and violates the Nuremberg Code. It's not even funny. And yet Republicans are still praising it. They're still praising it after everything we know. Yeah, you shouldn't force it on the babies. But even if you don't force it, if the government funds it, markets it, the regulator turns to collaborator, absolves them of liability, after everything we know about the negative efficacy and all the hematological, neurological, cardiovascular, um, reproductive issues that we already see that even at the more cautious end of it or more you know, conservative estimate of the problems, it's devastating. And it's all pain and no gain. We now have a virus for which the shot is completely outdated. Doesn't work. And if it does, it's negative. As we've seen from numerous places, in Ontario, UK, Scotland, Israel, negative efficacy. Other countries are, you know, like Sweden, they're recommending against using it for all children. And here, they're getting ready to shove it on us. And Republicans are fine with that. They're totally fine with that. The Nuremberg Code states, I think this is number six, principle six, the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed the determined that, deter- that determined by humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment. And now we know, so they could not show any benefit to the shots in, I mean, truth is they never showed benefit in adults. We actually have in the Pfizer shot more deaths in the placebo group than the control group. It's unbelievable, than, than the trial group. Moderna was about even, and they could never, and the kids, they never found a benefit. 
So it's a cold for kids, especially Omicron, and it doesn't work for Omicron. And there's literally no benefit. They have no data showing that. Even their own made-up, manipulated data, since when did we ever count on the people earning billions of dollars and getting the government contracts and marketing and coercion to show us the data without a third-party audit? That's kind of interesting. But their own data doesn't show it. And in addition to that, so what they did is they tried to have a new endpoint of increased antibody titers. So no clinical effect, but but like, you know, a, a blood titer effect. Well, who says that's even a good thing? As we noted with the guests we had on our show, that could create original antigenic sin. That could be a damage. It's not a good thing for respiratory viruses. You want more T cells. But even then, they couldn't find higher titers with a two-dose. So they said, we need a three-dose. And yet the government urged them to submit the authorization on the two-dose. It's unbelievable. I can't believe this is happening. So it's no longer okay for the Republican governors to just say, yeah, I don't want to mandate it. You have to ban it in the states. At a very minimum, they need to at least join together in a lawsuit against the, the, the pending EUA. And again, for what? For what? A recent study from the UK showed that even immunocompromised children were not an elevated risk for severe COVID. Out of over 1,500 immunocompromised children, they found, quote, no, in- no increased risk of severe SARS-CoV-2 infection. A large COVID study conducted in Germany found that just three pediatric COVID deaths out of a million, and they found zero deaths occurred in children under five. So that's a much better record than, you know, lower risk than RSV. So to even embark on an experimental thing, emergency use authorization has to meet an emergency threshold. Where's the emergency? An Israeli study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found zero deaths of severe illness, both in the vaccinated and control group of 12 to 18-year-olds in a 29-day follow-up. So there's no emergency. The the, the vaccine is for a, a virus that no longer exists and never even worked really for that. Causes an insane amount of issues. CDC themselves just published in JAMA admitting, quote, based on passive surveillance reporting in the U.S., the risk of myocarditis after receiving mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines was increased across multiple age and sex strata and was highest after the second vaccination dose in adolescent males and young men. The risk should be considered in the context of the benefits of COVID-19 vaccine. This is CDC's own researchers in JAMA. How do you push that on babies and toddlers? Oh, I, I oppose mandates, but the shots are really good. You should get them. And that's why we should, we, we don't need the emergency anymore. What the, that's the Republican position? Are you freaking kidding me? This is insane. How do we allow this to go on? So what I'm saying is even 18 months later, 20 months later, Republicans have not changed their tune. They're finally against lockdowns and some degree of masking. But the problem now is still the lack of treatment, the war on treatment, and the, and the, and the toxi- toxicity of the shots. And they're still promoting it. They're always late. And meanwhile, we know now a meta-analysis conducted by Hopkins, which pushed the lockdowns, which was a big part of it, quote, lockdowns have had little to no public health effects while they've imposed enormous economic and social costs. Studies looking at specific NPIs, non-pharmaceutical interventions, 
lockdowns, face masks, closing non-essential businesses, businesses, border closures, school closures, and limiting gatherings also found find no broad-based evidence of noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality. We knew that here on this show from day one. Okay, you don't get it day one. You'll get it a couple weeks later. A couple months later, we begged and begged and begged, and Republicans refused to budge an inch. The red state legislatures refused to act on any of the clear information. Finally, when it's over with anyway, yeah, you know, we oppose it. And look, lockdowns was done as the first thing to show you have no control. We could shut you completely down. Now, they knew that wasn't sustainable. They're not going to do that long term. But what we can do is mask you, give you shots, and who knows what else. Once that genie was out of the bottle. And Republicans refused to fix this from a policy standpoint, from a scientific standpoint, from a legal standpoint. Where are they? Every red state needs to be forming, having their health department do their own pharmacosurveillance on, on all of the things that the FDA is approving now. They need to ban the shots, at least for children. I mean, really, now they should be banned for anyone. We forget. We've, we've become so desensitized, like, like a frog in boiling water, that we're a million levels over the point where we would typically take it off the market. Now, you say, well, to a certain extent, there's a pandemic, so maybe while it has a lot of damage, it could have some, some benefits, so we're kind of... But that ship has sailed. It now has negative efficacy. Okay, that ship has sailed. The virus is no longer the same thing for which it was even created for. This is, this is insane. How do we allow this to go on? Now, folks, as this is going on, we know they're, it's not over. They're going to release more stuff on us, and COVID still is percolating. That's why you need to prepare yourself and get yourself medicines right away. MyGoToDoc.com. Uh, is a website, Dr. Saeed Haider. We've had him on the show. He treated over 4,000 COVID patients with zero deaths using off-label drugs, including ivermectin, fluvoxamine, hydroxychloroquine. He's treated over 10,000 patients with ivermectin to prevent COVID, of which less than one in 1,000 caught it. He's also helped hundreds uh, recover both from long-haul COVID and vaccine injury. So this way you don't have to wait once you have it, while you badly need the medicine, be forced to pay a ton of money, get it early, get it cheaper at mygotodoc.com. Also, once you're there, download for free. Make sure you download uh, the COVID care ebook from Dr. Hyder with a lot of the over-the-counter remedies for prevention and treatment. Uh, register for free to ask questions via chat, no charge, as long as you need it. So very, very important resource, mygotodoc.com. Um, you know, just wanted to mention real briefly, oh, by the way, before I get to this, um, just one thing on the Pfizer approval. So the Pfizer submitted EUA request for babies and toddlers. And then meanwhile, the FDA granted, um, Moderna, uh, full approval, but it's not Moderna. It's SpikeVax, very appropriately named SpikeVax, because that's what it is. It's a spike that spikes up your body, as we're going to discuss with our next guest. Um, they literally, in the same press release, said Spikevax, which is the same shell game, like with Comirnaty and Pfizer, so now it's Moderna and Spikevax. I don't know what game they're playing. It's not liability, by the way, because either way, they're, they're not subject to liability. I think it's just because of all the reporting and surveillance data, safety data, 
gets put on the shot that doesn't exist so they can continue leaving us in the dark. It's disgusting. Quote, Spikevax meets the FDA's rigorous standards for safety and effectiveness. Then in the same thing, a couple sentences later, they say the data used for the analysis were accrued before the Omicron variant emerged. (laughs) When have you ever seen this in your life? This is insane. This is the Twilight Zone. Uh, Mitch McConnell's like, well, the the, the only, like, really, we should lock you down and cover your mouth for the rest of life. But because we have such amazing vaccines, we no longer need it. That's the Republican position. And and I've been dealing with this my entire career. They've done this on every issue. They make the wrong argument at the wrong time in the wrong way um, and basically agree to 99% of the left, even on their most harmful, immoral, logical, illegal policies. But that's what that. Wanted to get to just one thing before we bring on our guest here, and that is, you know, we're we're still working on this DOD DMED data. I'm just going to rattle off for you the latest data that we have. Now, I just want to say some of the data points. Um, so what these are comparison, our percentage increase in diagnosis codes, ICD codes. Uh, exclusively typed into the system by uh, military physicians. Okay, this is TRICARE. This is active duty military medical care. Um, This is their epidemiological system. This is the data we have. Um, I just want to make it clear, and this only makes the point stronger, that the data was pulled at different times. So we're comparing it against 12-month years for the previous five-year averages, the data we have for 2021 post-vax is dip- some of the data points, it's 10 months, some is 11. The point is it's not 12, so it's even going to be a little bit more when we get all the data. It's just, it's a little bit mixed, so I just want to be, you know, disclose that, um, but it doesn't take away from the point. Hypertension diagnosis, 2,181% increase. Disease of the nervous system, 1,048 increase. It's tenfold. And that's what you would expect because the neurological, as we're going to talk with our our guest here, is really the um, the biggest problem. Um, malignant uh, neoplasms of esophagus, so esophagus cancer, eight hundred ninety four percent increase. Multiple sclerosis, six hundred eighty percent increase. Um, cancer of the digestive organs, six hundred twenty four percent increase. Guillain Barre, that we all know is you know even with other vaccines, five hundred fifty one percent increase. Breast cancer, four hundred eighty seven percent increase. Um, uh, thyroid and endocrine glands cancer, five, 474% increase. Female infertility, 472% increase. Pulmonary embolism, 468% increase. Migraines, 452% increase. Ovarian dysfunction, 437% increase. Remember um, where the lipid nanoparticles deposit in the ovaries. Um, testic- testicular cancer, um, that's another place where the um, lipid nanoparticles, uh, based on the Japanese biodistribution uh, study, uh, deposit 369% increase. Um, myocardial infarction, that's heart attacks, 269% increase. Bell's palsy, 291% increase. Um, congenital malformations, 156% increase. Pericarditis, 175%. Myocarditis, 285 But I will tell you that there's a sworn affidavit that those numbers were rolled back. And when um, they pulled the data a few months ago, the percentage increase was exponentially higher than even that. Um, shortness of breath. It's a dyspnea. Dis- dis- I don't even know how to pronounce this. I never heard of it. It's shortness of breath. 
905% increase. Again, I mean, you know, the shots are very much like the pathogen, which does, you know, attack the pulmonary system. Disseminated intravascular coagulation. Okay, that's that's a peculiar one. 1,175% increase. Strokes, 393% increase. And this is a big one that the FDA admitted is a problem. Immune thrombocytopenic purpura. Right, so this has to do with the platelets as and, and the coagulation. 322% increase. Nothing to see there. Are these numbers believable? Well, let's hear it from our next guest. Now, our next guest, Stephanie Senef, uh, PhD. She's a senior research scientist at MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab. You're talking about almost a half a century of scientific experience, both you know academic um, from her time in school up until her career. Her specialty really is biology, and she's done extensive research exclusively on the extent and mechanisms of action of these injuries we're seeing, um, really trying to explain away some of the data and safety signals that are being uh, tickled blaringly and glaringly. What are those mechanisms? You know, what's coming from the spike? What's coming from the lipid nanoparticles? What we know, what we're concerned about. She's published in, uh, you know, a lot of articles in recent years and many papers on the effects of drugs, nutrition, toxins, on risk factors for common cardiovascular, neurological diseases. And she's really stepping up to the plate where very few are when it comes to this. And before you just bring on Dr. Senef, I do want to note that. You know, I'm just seeing coming across the wires that uh, the Pentagon announced they are going to dismiss all soldiers now that don't have the shots, even though it's more illogical than ever because it's a new variant, it's a new virus, it literally doesn't work for, for the current thing. Nothing matters. There is a budget deadline coming up in Congress for February 18th. To me, just the notion that Republicans wouldn't engage in a budget fight over the funding of this DOD, obviously CMS mandate, is quite shocking. The fact that we wouldn't have more forums like Senator Ron Johnson holds and a budget brinkmanship would be a great opportunity to harness the public's attention. It shouldn't be one senator. It should be, you know, really all all 50 Republicans should be doing this. I mean, heck, all 100 should be doing this. But, you know, I'm trying to be generous here. And nothing, nothing. But you know, this show is going to act as that forum for you. So make sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Send this to all your friends and, and family. We have the best guests that really spend the most time on this. Dr. Senef, thanks so much for joining our forum here today at Blaze Media. Oh, so glad to be here. Thank you. Well, I knew I had to get you on when I saw your very provocative articles on concerns of neurodegenerative diseases such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's uh, that that could possibly uh, develop over the years from people that got these shots. Uh, Now, obviously, some of these papers, I must say, they're very well written, but they're beyond me. So I figured you could educate me and my audience at the same time. Could you talk specifically, let's start with... Um, the neuro, neurological in general, but and then specifically neurodegenerative concerns. I think a lot of my audience is obviously familiar with the spike protein causing blood clotting and some of the cardio issues. We know myocarditis. 
where in the world do these neurological issues come from? Right. Of course, the science is not easy, but it's quite, quite interesting. And I'm fascinated by biology, and I've done a deep dive into these messenger RNA vaccines. They're fascinating, too. The technology is amazing. And, you know, they really work. They, they, they get the immune system on fire. Uh, the immune cells go to the muscles, you know, which are crying for help with all this spike protein. And then they, the immune cells pick up the uh, mRNA, too, and they start making spike protein. They get really panicked, essentially. They go into the lymph system trying to get this spike protein to the B cells and T cells so that you can get the antibodies. So they, they know they want antibodies. That's, that's their goal with these vaccines. And I think they've succeeded spectacularly well in the, in the sense of making it look like you've got severe COVID disease. You don't get this kind of really high antibody response unless you've got severe disease. People can catch COVID and have hardly any symptoms and, and not bother to make antibodies because they don't need them. They have a strong innate immune system. It can fight off the virus without them. Antibodies always uh, incur the risk of things like autoimmune disease, you know, from the antibodies. So there's... Um, there's that to consider. You don't really want such high antibodies. Of course, they fade very quickly, too. So we're seeing all these breakthrough cases happening. Of course, Omicron is mutating its way out of a jam. So the, the, the virus is really outsmarting these vaccines in the sense that they work really well at the, very, at the optimal peak after three weeks after the second shot. And then they immediately, the antibodies start fading as soon as sort of the, the danger is out of the way. Finally, the cells are able to clear the, uh, the spike protein and get on with life. You know, and the antibodies start fading, and then you you no longer have uh, resistance. And meanwhile, people have been vaccinated that have uh, immune uh, deficiency. They're setting up a perfect storm for the mutations because the the virus gets an up close and personal look at the antibodies, and it knows how to. The virus is very good at uh, mutating, so it knows how to change its shape so that the antibodies don't work anymore. So right now, we have Omicron is not well matched to the shots that we're continuing to get. And it's just really, uh, I think it's a very silly thing to be forcing people to get this toxic injection um, for a reason that isn't really very effective. Anyway, the, the neurology is quite interesting because immune cells go into well, the... Wait, so, so Dr. Seneff, um, you gave an introduction there that, that spiked my uh, interest here. So l let's hold that for a minute. I want to get to the neurodegenerative issues, um, but I just want to first make sure the first thing you said is, is very interesting. So aside from the spike protein being a problem... What you're saying is it's the reaction that's also the problem, right? The the, the antibodies yeah. created, they're bragging about titers, and they're actually even pegging the infant and toddler um, trials to, to titers. And they're saying, well, it doesn't show any clinical benefit, so let's see the titers. And you're saying, wait a minute, sky-high yeah. titer levels, isn't that a problem? Am, am I getting that right? You are getting that exactly right. And they, they, people have shown that there's many se sequences in the spike protein that are antibodies are responding to sequences that are known to be similar to sequences in all kinds of human proteins that are associated with major autoimmune diseases. So it, it, I think we're inviting that as well. We're getting into neurology in a moment. I mean, there's so many things that are being uh, generated by these vaccines. It's really horrendous in my opinion. But that's one issue is the autoimmune disease. And certainly Greg Nye and I talked about that in the first paper we wrote, which is published, you know, worse than the disease, question mark, some possible unintended consequences of the mRNA vaccine against COVID-19. We published that paper back in May, and we predicted that you would get um, a bunch of um, variants showing up, and that's exactly what happened. Wow. So, so you're saying the also the mutations, too, uh, because yeah. one of the interesting things is I've, I've had Dr. Ram Yogendra on the show. He works with Bruce Patterson uh, that deals with long-haul COVID and vaccine injuries. 
and mm-hmm. they they're coming out with a preprint, but I think you know they've already spoken about it publicly that you, you generally find in the blood samples um, in the blood panels that they're looking into pretty similar injuries between the vax injured and the um, the long, long COVID, COVID people, but they did say an interesting thing was they only found mutated S1 in the monocytes of those who are vaxxed. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, that's, I don't know where that's coming from. You mean mutated to something different from the one that is in the regular virus? That's what, that's what it seemed like. And yeah. it parked so itself. It could in be the... that would, I mean, that would make sense. Anyone who's vaccinated, who has a weak innate immunity, is offering themselves up to this mutation situation where you can, they can be yep. sick with a disease, and then what can emerge is a new variant that's extremely hardy against the antibodies that the vaccine produces. The virus knows how to do that very well. It's all evolution, you know. It's very skilled at that. These mRNA viruses are very, um, they they mutate very easily, which is a feature of them, you know, compared to DNA viruses. They're much more capable of mutating. That's why cold viruses, they never were able to get a a vaccine against the cold, right, the common cold, because it mutates too quickly. That's what's going on here. We're going to be chasing, uh, you know, we're going to roll out an Omicron variant, I predict, like in February, March. Everybody's going to line up and get another vaccine. And then, meanwhile, Omicron will have already moved into something else by the time the vaccine's released. Then they're going to be hustling to make a, a vaccine against that one. It's just going to be a continual, you know, every few months you get another vaccine against a different variant. It's going to be insane, I think. And then people are going to roll over. They're going to get so sick after so many hits with the spike protein, they won't know what, they won't know how to get out of bed. I mean, basically, it's going to, I think it's going to get really... I hope, actually, that it's going to get bad enough soon that they will finally wake up. It just really annoys me. They're rolling out, you know, two-year-olds. Now, what, what, six months old? I just heard it on the news last night. They're so excited. They're going to get these kids vaccinated. I mean, it's just crazy. Sure. So, it really, it so really as, hurts as a pre- me. No, it's terrible. As, as a preface to, to what you're, you're going to talk about today, um, you know, just the data we're seeing, uh, the number one uh, – category of injury reported by to Pfizer system that was revealed in a FOIA document recently, uh, you know, via court order, uh, was nervous system uh, damage. Uh, we're seeing that based on some preliminary yes. data leaked from the DMED system and the DOD. I've written about that. We've seen I know, a tenfold. I know about that military data. Yeah, that's tenfold so increase. And the neurological, that's exactly. Right, yeah. All right. What's the secret that's sauce really behind huge. that? And by the way, I'm seeing that in the VAERS database as well. I've been looking at VAERS when you compare this uh, 2021 COVID vax against all the other vax for 2021. And you get, you know, 98%, 99%, the n- number of hits in, of, of entries associated with all kinds of different debilitating diseases. Almost all of the hits are these COVID vaccines. They are so toxic, I, in my opinion. Anyway, we'll get to the neurology now. Let's try this again. So these these immune cells are going into the lymph system. They're trying to get to the B cells, the T cells. They end up in the spleen. And that's been through tracer studies of the messenger RNA that people have shown that, you know, uh, most of the um, vaccine stays in the muscle. Some goes into the lymph system and makes its way to organs. And the particular organs that it makes its way to are the spleen, the ovaries, the liver, um, the bone marrow. I mean, these are nasty places for it to go, right? And the spleen, of course, is really the center. It's it's the it's the center where antibodies emerge. It's the best place. They've got these germinal centers in the spleen is where the 
the immune cells, you know, the, the dendritic cells go in there and expose the, D, the, the T cells and the B cells to the spike protein to show them the way to make the antibodies. It's the T cells and B cells that end up with the antibodies that are very specific to that spike protein. That whole process takes place in these germinal centers. And the uh, developers are very happy to see that that's where it ends up because they know that's how you're going to get those high antibody titers. But the problem is that is a very serious situation. That's like, as I said, severe disease. The, the virus is never going to get to the spleen. If you, don't, if you have a strong innate immune system, it'll stay in the lungs. But the vaccine is injected past the mucosal barriers, past the vascular barriers, into the muscle. It's already several steps towards the severe disease you know, in the, as, as you get the shot in terms of that spike protein. And the vaccine is also disguised because the messenger RNA doesn't look like viral RNA. So the cells are caught by surprise. Normally, the, uh, the immune cells would have reacted to a virus, but they can't do that with the vaccine because there is no virus. And that, that's another deceptive thing they did to encourage the uh, production of antibodies. And it works, but <clears throat> it's a really bad thing to do. So the spleen, so these um, immune cells in the spleen are making all the spike protein. They can't stop themselves because they've, again, designed the messenger RNA to not be able to be turned off and not be able to be broken down. You know, there's various regulatory processes that would normally control the amount of protein that you would make of any protein. There's a whole bunch of controls that are in place to make sure the cell makes the right amount. And make so, it for the so, right amount of so time. I get this right before you go on, just kind of like a couple minutes at a time, so our audience could process this. You're saying, look, antibodies have their time and they have their place, and the body does produce them in the right time, right place. But, but that regulatory process that's built into the body is being thrown out the window with the vaccine. Yeah, well, the vaccine is basically forcing your hand to say the antibodies is the only option you have. Normally, you would have an innate immune response that would be able to take care of the virus and clear it. If you're healthy. Now, of course, we don't have healthy immune systems, I think, because of glyphosate. And that's another thing I've studied a lot. I've written a book about glyphosate called Toxic Legacy. Glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup. I think glyphosate's a major player in why Americans are having so much trouble with this virus, because glyphosate really messes up the immune system. And I wrote about that in a chapter in my book. So I think we all in America have compromised innate immunity because of glyphosate and other toxic chemicals that we're constantly exposed to. Yes, and that certainly is. You guys could see that online. That is your big publication, um, and and uh, there are a lot of different questions. You know, the geographical distribution around the world, why some places didn't have a problem, and that's a whole discussion. Okay, so how does this get up to your brain? So right, the, that's the cute part, right? That's the really interesting part. And I was like, oh my god, when I read this, I got into exosomes. I started reading about exosomes, and I also started reading about Parkinson's disease. Because I became aware, I know Parkinson's quite well because my mother died of it, and I've been interested in Parkinson's for a long time. And I had known that Parkinson's begins in the gut with uh, prion-like proteins that are produced by pathogens. And the spike protein is a prion-like protein. In fact, there's a new paper just out, um, 20, you know, like right now, basically, January 2022, uh, showing uh, that the, uh, the receptor-binding domain of the spike, of the spike protein has prion-like characteristics, and that's very, very important because prion proteins and prion-like proteins are all, you know, many of them are associated with severe neurodegenerative diseases like CJD, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease is the classic human prion disease uh, analogous to mad cow in the cows. And then you have Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and ALS and all these, you know, nasty neurodegenerative diseases are linked to misfolded proteins that are often triggered by 
external prion-like proteins from pathogens. This is what's happening with uh, Parkinson's. It's very clear in the studies that you start with the gut, and then the immune cells carry that prion-like protein into the into the spleen at those germinal centers and starts dealing with it. And then in the spleen, the prion-like protein, which again you can say is spike protein, causes these immune cells to start producing alpha-synuclein, which is a, uh, a prion-like protein linked to Parkinson's disease. And then what happens is that so this, these immune cells in the spleen are making lots and lots of spike protein. It's really toxic. They need to get rid of it. And they stuff it into these exosomes. It's really quite amazing. They stuck these little nanoparticles. These are human, you know, manufactured nanoparticles. That can, these exosomes can contain all kinds of interesting things, but what the ones will contain with the vaccine is spike protein. They're going to contain spike protein along with some microRNAs that are, mess, you know, that are regulatory molecules, along with some alpha-synuclein, which is this misfolded, you know, this protein that causes uh, Parkinson's disease when it misfolds. All of that's packaged up in those exosomes and shipped out of those immune cells in the spleen. And where it goes is it travels along nerve fibers, and it goes from the spleen the, the, the splanctic nerve over to the vagus nerve, up the up the body to the brain, and into all those nerves that are in the brain: the auditory nerve, the olfactory nerve, um, the facial nerve, the um, trigeminal nerve. All of those nerves uh, pick up spike protein that's traveling along the nervous system in the brain. And all of those nerves, when they they become inflamed, when they pick up these exosomes, and that inflammation causes all kinds of symptoms. And all of those symptoms are showing up in spades in the various database and associated with these in association with these COVID nineteen vaccines. So you're saying that Very would explain clear. people with vertigo, migraines after getting yeah, the shots? Absolutely, and you're absolutely right. Migraine is trigeminal. Bell's palsy is a facial nerve. Uh, tinnitus, huge numbers of tinnitus, auditory nerve. Olfactory is amazing. The olfactory nerve, but that's the lack of smell, which is a characteristic of the disease, but it's also a characteristic of the vaccine. And the olfactory nerve is, you know, it's huge amounts of the, um, I think I have it here, but I'm not seeing it. Uh, I guess I don't have it here. Tinnitus is 13,257 cases. Uh, 98% of the cases uh, associated with tinnitus in 2021 are linked to COVID-19 vaccines. That's the ring in the air. But the olfactory is is like almost 100% of the cases in huge numbers of loss of sense of smell linked to the vaccines as well as to the virus. And when it's, you know, when you're getting, when you're losing your sense of smell, when you get that vaccine, you know, it's in the muscle, right? How the hell is it getting to the, to the olfactory nerve from the muscle? Well, that's how it's doing it, through the spleen, mm. up the vagus nerve, over to the olfactory nerve and causing a loss, loss of sense of smell. So that's really proof that it's happening. Th- this is very chilling because the big headline with, even among the people willing to focus on this, from the Japanese biodistribution paper was that a good amount of the LMPs deposited into the ovaries. But in fact, the number one destination was the spleen. Right. Um, and I kind of like, you know, went over my head at the time. But now that you're telling me this, it's it's pretty scary. So how much of this is caused by the spike and how much is caused by, by the lipid nanoparticles? Yeah, I mean, the lipid nanoparticles are very toxic. They've put in this synthetic toxic, um, you know, um, cationic lipid it's it's a uh, fat it's, it's a positively charged fatty acid or fat um, a weird fat that's that's synthetic and, and that thing is really toxic and they they want something toxic to get the immune cells to draw them into the muscle because you've got to get an immune response in order this is what they do with all the vaccines they put in aluminum you know mercury these things that are 
aluminum is acting as an adjuvant, they call it, to uh, to make the immune cells respond to something that otherwise wouldn't be a problem. So they they added that cationic lipid. That thing also helps to open it up so that the RNA can get right to work making protein. And um, and as I said, they put these regulatory elements on it that are ignore signals so that you can't shut it down. It just it makes protein at a high rate too. And when you do that, you have a risk of making um, mistakes. And so there's probably lots of mutations in those spike proteins that are being produced. Um, lots Got of it. altered forms. Got it. But if you could if you could elaborate on it, because this is a pretty big uh, allegation that giving the kids the shot will likely cause an alarming increase in several major neurodegenerative diseases. You've, you've, you've spoken specifically about Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So I understand with the migraines, the vertigo, things like that, we, we've actually seen with the pathogen as well. We've seen with the virus and we've seen with the shots. We've seen long haul COVID. We've seen uh, the vaccine injury, and they kind of parallel each other. But in terms of the long-term, uh, you know, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, concerns of those, why would that be more of a concern with the shot than the than the pathogen? I think it's because the shot actually ignores the innate immune system. The pathogen, your innate immune system is going to attack it first. And if it can handle it, that's as far as it's going to go. It won't leave the lungs. The The pathogen starts in the nose and the lungs and stays there. Only the people who have, you know, immune deficiency, it's going to end up in the blood and then from there into the brain eventually. But the virus, the vaccine starts in the muscle. It's already past the lungs, you know, past the vascular barriers into the muscle. And then the immune cells are taking it up and making spike protein themselves. That's already very unusual because the immune cells, those dendritic cells don't have the ACE2 receptor. They normally wouldn't be taking it up, taking up the virus. But they're stuck taking up the spike, the uh, the the, um, the mRNA in the vaccine because it's designed to look like an LDL particle. It fools them. They take it up as a lipid particle, and then all of a sudden they're stuck making this spike protein. That's a complete distraction for them. That's not what they're they're supposed to be fighting. You know, the virus, not contributing to the to wow. the disease process. So, so this is a very important. They're making spike protein. This is a very important statement you're making. You're 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 saying that. Look, you know, even if someone gets COVID bad and their blood oxygen level even drops uh, a little bit, but generally speaking, it's a disease of the lungs. But mm-hmm. here, you're basically spreading the wealth. I, I I remember Dr. Urso, who's an oncologist. He he compared the lipid nanoparticles to kind of like garlic. It goes around the body like garlic. Mm-hmm. It just disperses ever. So you're saying. The pathogen certainly is a problem. I mean, it's kind of like a bioweapon. It was, it's not natural. It, of course, we all agree it's a problem. And especially, as you mentioned, in a society like ours where we do have a lot of unhealthy people, but, th- you know, at least for, for most people, it's localized. This you're saying it's unlimited as to the place and for how long it's dispersing these toxins. Yeah, I mean, actually, I guess what I'm saying is that it's bypassed the usual barriers because with a disease, you start in the lungs. If you have a problem with your immune system, it gets into the vascular system, into the blood. Even then, it's still not at the brain. You know, it has to get past the blood, then into the lymph system, then into the spleen, then into the brain. You skipped a whole bunch of steps with the vaccine. You start right away with basically lymph system, spleen, brain. You know, the first steps, you miss them all together. Because you because of that injection and because of that toxic lipid particle that allows it to be taken up by the immune cells, you're way ahead of the game. I mean, you're into the severe disease right away with the vaccine, it seems to me, and then um, it, and then distributing it along the nervous system. You know, once it's in the spleen, that's when it's going to end up in the nervous system because these immune cells in the spleen are going to release those exosomes, and they're busy making spike protein. They would not be doing that 
if with the virus because they wouldn't even be infected with the virus because they don't have the ACE2 receptors. They would just be picking up the spike protein, you know, from the infected cells and then carrying it and showing it to the immune cells to get the antibodies. But but with the vaccine, they're actually taking up the messenger RNA and making the spike protein. They're they're completely overwhelmed with spike protein. So those the, the, dendritic the, cells. What, what I'm getting from you is it's, it seems like you agree with my my assertion that a, a lot of my colleagues are kind of like ah. Eh, the vaccine doesn't work. And I'm like, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. In some ways, it would be better if it was a complete air ball, didn't even hit the back board, didn't go anywhere, no runs, no hits, no errors. But the fact that it does have for not everyone, because a lot of the people, some people never stimulates anything, especially, you know, people that are very, very vulnerable. But for a lot of people, it does stimulate a few months of non-sterilizing um, blood-based antibody immunity. So you're saying that in in itself is the problem that it takes yes. over your immune system, juices up the antibody. So so you explain the neurological uh, effect of this. The more logical one, or not logical, but but the more obvious one is obviously the concern of autoimmune. So I want to get to. Um, you wrote a paper. Uh, our audience is obviously very familiar with Dr. McCullough. He's one of the names on this paper, Innate yes. Immune Suppression. Immune Suppression by SARS-CoV-2 mRNA Vaccinations, the Role of G Quadruplexes, Exosomes, and Micro um, RNAs. You you make a very serious uh, you know, allegation against these shots that we present the evidence that vaccination, unlike natural infection, induces a profound impairment in type 1 interferon signaling, which has mm. diverse adverse consequences to human health. What are these consequences? You talk about potentially cancer um, and obviously neurodegenerative diseases, myocarditis, immune thrombocytopenia, Bell's palsy, liver disease, impaired adaptive immunity, increased, jeez, uh, I don't even, I can't even read that, tumorginess, <laughs> whatever that is, and DNA damage. Oh, I mean... Okay, give what us an overview. We have. I mean, it really is. A, it's like wow, right? I mean, give, give us like an really overview astonished. of of how this immune suppression could lead to yeah. this, and if you could start with cancer, because a lot of people are very confused about that. Right. You know, before I, Dr. Ryan Cole, even explained any of this to me. I never associated immune systems with cancer, but obviously it has a lot to do with it. Right. Can you start from the beginning with that? Right. Well, that's the type 1 interferon, and it's really quite fascinating because um, there was an amazing paper that came out of India um, where they showed that um, that cells, human cells, forced to make the spike protein, they end up releasing it in these exosomes that I described, and they put into those exosomes certain specific microRNAs. MicroRNAs are high-level control elements that can uh, suppress certain um, proteins to cause a cascade effect. I mean, they can really change policy in a cell when you see these microRNAs. So that there are particular microRNAs that are stuffed into that exosome along with the spike protein. And those are shipped out, and then they're picked up by the microglia in the brain, which is the immune cells in the brain. In this study, they showed that those immune cells would respond by suppressing the uh, uh, effects of type 1 interferon, and that's really, really important because type 1 interferon is the initial response that the innate immune system activates in response to an infection, but also in respect in response to cancer. Type 1 interferon deficiency is linked to um, cancer and also to all kinds of infections. So basically your innate immune system is really in trouble when it can't uh, make type 1 interferon do the right thing. And it's not that it suppresses the interferon itself. It suppresses the activities that would normally take place in response to the interferon. 
and um, causing the uh, immune system not to be able to respond to um, to signals, to any kind of danger signals, and that includes cancer. So it's cancer and also, you know, pneumonia and a Bell's palsy because that's a, a viral, inf- you know, that's an activation of a of a sleeping virus, Bell's palsy is a huge signal in the in the virus database with these vaccines. Now, now with the cancer, would that also explain why um, some oncologists are talking about not just the amount of cancers, but sudden metastatic cancers? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I have oncologist friends who have who have said that they're they have patients that have been under you know, have their cancer under control, and then they get the vaccine, all of a sudden the cancer comes back. I mean, this is what's happening with people, and I totally believe that because that would be a consequence of this interference with the type 1 interferon response. And we talked a lot about cancer in that paper. What are some of the particular types of cancer that you're most concerned about emanating from the shots? I think um, breast cancer and uh, lymphoma are two, blood cancers and breast cancer, are two that I see strong signals for. But we actually did in that paper, we looked up all kinds of cancers and we found um, a, pretty much twice as many, on average, over all these different types of cancers. We have a table there. Um, on average, there were twice as many hits uh, in the VARES database for these cancers, on average, the, all the cancers, as there were for all the other vaccines over 31 years. So you take the total cancer hit, you know, all the different vaccines, reports where they were associated with cancer over 31 years, all the vaccines together, is only half as many cases as the 2021 data for the um, COVID vaccines. It's a huge signal, in my opinion. Mm. And and unfortunately, we are seeing that from the DMED data, um, breast cancer, the number of ICD codes increased by 487% in 2021 uh, over the previous five-year average. Um, And we, you know, we have numbers also in ovarian um, testicular cancer as well. So, I mean, this is something that absolutely needs to be looked into immediately. One other thing I saw there, and this is going back a little bit to the, the previous discussion, that took me by surprise, a huge increase, and again, we have to know what to do with this, in multiple sclerosis diagnoses in the DMED system mm. and DOD. What would that have to do with anything? That's totally interesting, yeah, because that's the myelin sheath, and that's what we talked about actually in the paper. I believe that the um, these vaccines are really disrupting, uh, attacking essentially the the myelin sheath, and this is through these exosomes that are traveling along the nerve fibers. That's the myelin sheath, which is what co- coats the nerve fibers, and that's what's you know that gets destroyed in association with multiple sclerosis. So we talked about actually how it, with this type one interferon problem you end up suppressing the liver's synthesis of something called sulfatide, which is the only sulfonated lipid. We talked about this in the paper, and people can read it. And then the liver releases the sulfatide, and it's used by the myelin sheath to keep it safe. So the myelin sheath normally has lots of sulfatide in it. But when sulfatide gets deficient, then the immune cells can attack the myelin sheath and cause multiple sclerosis. Well, I mean, I don't have the raw numbers, but and it wasn't in my original data set that I got from the whistleblower, but Senator Ron Johnson put out a letter, and it's going to be linked to in my article today, does have that as one of the line items there, multiple sclerosis, 680% increase in ICD codes. Wow, that's very interesting. For- that makes sense to me, because that's the whole nerve fiber thing that I was talking about. The exosomes are traveling along the nerve fibers um, everywhere that they, you know, they just move around the nerve fibers and go anywhere. And people are getting things like mobility issues too. That's probably inf- infl- inflammation in the in the backbone, you know, in the 
in the uh, skeleton in the um <clears throat> Wow. Um, this is uh, very disquieting, to say the least. Uh, we're almost out of time here, and this uh, we barely scraped the surface, but I want to get to one final point um, that's been bothering me, and I want to see if you have what to say on it. So everything we're understanding, both uh, from the mechanisms of action, the pathophysiology of the pathogen, the innate immune suppression... <laughs> Um, crossing the blood-brain barrier, then not even getting into the toxicity of the lipid nanoparticles, all of this would demonstrate that this is extremely toxic. So the question everyone has, the million-dollar question, that there are some people that just are crushed by the shots. I mean, immediately right. crushed by it. And, and that would kind of make sense based on what you're saying. But then there's plenty of people, they literally skate by as if nothing happened, how right. much do you know or or hypothesize about the the the, cons- the question? I would say concern, but question that there's a degree of variance in the concoction of the vials, both in terms of yeah. you know how many micrograms is in there, how much spike, um, how many other toxins got into it in terms of quality control. Is that a valid uh, supposition? I've seen that. I've seen some of those articles about how there's tremendous variance in the different. Uh, you know, tags of the different, um, of the, uh, vaccine, it's certain, you know, they, they have those, what do they call the tags that identify, the identifier number and, and of that group, you know, that are manufactured at that place. And then that particular one has much more toxicity than the other one that was manufactured at this other place. I think there's probably a lot of trouble with the manufacturing process and also the transport process. When you think about having to be at, you know, minus 50, degrees, they have to be really cold, right? They'd be kept really cold. And then they're, they're heated up brought to room temperature or in the refrigerator for a few days. I mean, there's like these questions of how long does it still, is it still intact? And, and you know, who knows how much, yeah. first of all, how reliable is what's produced as far as consistency is concerned? And then uh, what happens to it over the course of its lifespan before it gets injected into somebody's arm? And if it's been hanging around for a while and kind of melting, you know, I mean, what does that mean? Do you have a lot of shortened messenger RNA molecules that produce shortened spike protein? That can be a really serious problem because the spike protein has on its end, at the end of, the, of this, you're making it, you know, from one end to the other. When you get to the end of the making of the spike protein, there's a piece that coordinates getting it to move to the membrane. And if that piece is missing because it's been chopped off by, you know, degradation while it's waiting around before it gets injected, that spike protein is missing the end. It will not go to the membrane. Instead, it'll go into the nucleus. And when it does that, it's going to start, you know, causing DNA mutations. There's been studies that show that the spike protein gets into the nucleus and damages uh, proteins that yeah, are Swedish, involved with repairing, study. DNA repair. That was a Swedish study that, that yes. came out and did not get a lot of press, obviously, but that was very, I mean, that, that was a reputable research outlet, and that was very concerning. So, my gosh, there's a lot to sort out here. Um, is there, okay, is there anything you recommend for <laughs> people that did get the shots and are concerned about their immune health? Um, yes. You know, see, I don't like doing what the other side did, which is, you know, anyone who didn't get the shot, they badger them for getting COVID and getting sick from it or dying from it when really they should have gotten early treatment. Um, I don't like doing the same thing as, oh, see, it's your fault. Go die. Because, you know, we're about helping people. You know, we want to help as many people as possible. There was no informed consent. I mean, I'll be honest with you, as suspicious of government as I have been for many, many years, 
I really did not. I mean, you push, put me back to 12 months ago. What is it? February 2nd, 2021. I didn't trust what was going on, and I suspected right. there were some issues. I never could have imagined this. So what do these I people do? Mean. I kept thinking that, too. How can they possibly? First of all, 12-year-olds, I was shocked. And then 5-year-olds, I was shocked again. And now, you know, 6 months old, I'm shocked again. Nothing I mean, matters. I'm beyond Nothing shocked. Matters. Just numb <laughs> with this. It's just awful, I think. Uh, yeah. So let me see. What was your question? So, so what could oh, people what could people do, what could what people do? do yes, to one thing? Um, yeah. Of course, I always say eat healthy food. You know, organic diet, uh, whole foods. Don't eat the processed foods. Get out in the sunlight without sunscreen, without sunglasses. Those are my basic messages. Eat a lot uh, sulfur-containing foods. Eat a lot of healthy fats, which I consider to be animal fats, saturated fat. You know, eat a lot of um, wholesome foods. Um, and get out in the sunlight without sunscreen. I think food, you know, thinking of food as medicine, I really believe that. Um, I, I really work hard on having a healthy diet, and I think it pays off. And that can help you to heal because it will help to strengthen your immune system. Glyphosate in the food is going to hurt your immune system. So if you eat a certified organic diet, you are greatly reducing the, your exposure to glyphosate. I think it's super important. Wow. And then the other thing that people have suggested, and I don't know, but it kind of makes sense, is fasting because you need to have uh, people, again, glyphosate disrupts the ability to clear misfolded proteins. And so if you've got glyphosate exposure, um, your system that would normally break down the spike protein is defective. That's my reason. You know, I always <laughs> thought my father was absolutely insane. My father would, would um, he'd have a cup of coffee every day and that was it. And then he would come home, and I, I don't know say this about my own father, he'd come home like an animal. I mean, he would come home from work, and he was, like, I mean, because he didn't eat all day, and I thought it was the craziest thing. But you know what? He's he's going on 72, and he never got sick. Like, we were always yeah. the ones getting sick, and he never That's did. That's interesting, isn't it? And it's, yeah, it's funny. Know, Mercola, he, Mercola supports he literally fasted every weekday. Six hours. Because um, when you're fasting, then your body, your, your cells need to get you know, energy from somewhere. And one place they can get it is from, by breaking down uh, various molecules that are busted, right? So you will, help, you will be motivated you're, you're, and your system works better because you're not being exposed to the poisons that are in the food when you're not eating, right? So you kind of have a better chance to clear the spike protein while you're starving, basically. Wow. So there's definitely a lot more where this has come from. We certainly want to have you back to discuss some of the broader whole health issues of, of how to deal with an era where they're unleashing toxins from multiple fronts on us, how to take our own health in our hands. But this was very enlightening as much as it was scary. Keep us updated on some of your coming literature, and we really look forward to having you back again. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, so that was Dr. Stephanie Seneff, PhD, uh, MIT researcher for for many, many years. Again, I mean... I'm a, I'm sorry if that was it wasn't so consumable. I mean, it was a challenge for me, even though I tried to read some of her stuff. But you know, you don't have to understand every last step in the mechanism of action. I don't either. Um, you know, some are better at giving that over than than others are, and that's fine. But the point is, I'm not hearing any response to this. A year ago, I would have said, "Oh, that's one of those crazies that's into all this stuff and whatever." I would. That's what I would have said. But when you couple that with the human observations that we're seeing and all the safety signals that we have, they cover up most of them, the few we have seem to indicate this, and then they explain the science behind it, and the other side has nothing to say about that, hey, I mean, we kind of have a problem here.
Um, you know, the cancer thing is something like, yeah, I didn't really get into that. But, I mean, Ryan, I trust him with my life, and he was seeing this, and he understood the mechanism, and we're seeing this more and more. And you look at the DMED data, this is crazy, and it, it starts to paint a picture with the immune system. But I think the biggest takeaway from what, what she said that I think is so important epidemiologically is that this was a brilliant shot, that they, they, they masked the most concerning aspect of the shot – with something that they were able to sell as a marketing point. This thing juices up your titers. Awesome. And then the more we learn, like, wait a minute, antibodies are like anything else. It's kind of like fat and calories. It's like, okay, well, what type, where, how many, right? The, 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 the degree matters. You can't shut down the T-cells, shut down the immune system, and just bun- dump a bunch of sugar-high antibodies in your blood. Like, that's a problem. So, yes, it does offer a degree of protection for several months before it wanes, and then it causes ADE on its way out, which is the problem we're experiencing, and and hence the negative efficacy. But, dude, that's going to cause autoimmune diseases. That's going to cause immune suppression. And like she noted, um, the immune system is very closely related to cancers. It's not that your immune system is going to be impervious against cancer, but it will prevent a lot of cancers and it will slow a lot of them down. So you're going to wind up getting a lot more of them and much quicker metastatic. And that's what we're seeing. And also with the neurodegenerative stuff, the neurological, the nervous system disorders, it's very much related to your spleen and the gut and and the immune system. It all kind of ties in together. God's work is truly wondrous. Um, and that's something I've come to appreciate a lot more just from studying this from some of the experts we've had on the show. And again, it all gets back into Dr. Dan Stock's thesis, which is that respiratory viruses are the worst candidates for vaccines, which is why we don't have a good one. They don't, the issue is not the blood, right? So you're getting the immune response in the blood everywhere where it doesn't need to exist. So that's why, yes, a lot of this stuff, whether it's the blood clotting, whether it's the um, you know, nerve system stuff, absolutely, absolutely we are seeing it with the virus, but you're going to see it even more in more places for a longer period of time with the shots because it's designed, unlike the pathogen, to specifically s- spread the wealth everywhere. You take the spike and you spread the response to it Everywhere. And to this day, the other side cannot tell you where it goes and for how long. But we know, confirmed, it doesn't stay in the shoulder muscle. Uh, Bruce Patterson's group is going to come out with that. The mutated S1, S2 in in your CD16 monocytes all over your body. That's a huge problem. Uh, Dr. Urso said this a couple times, that the lipid nanoparticles are, are literally... If you would want to like mess up a room or something and you take a garlic shaker, you know, the crushed garlic and just spray it everywhere. That's what it does. So, I mean, you'll you'll find the craziest disorders, but it's really, you know, coalescing around the, the neuro- neurological system, the spleen, the reproductive and the obviously, you know, cardio hematological and then anything related to the immune system, which is going to be autoimmune disease, immunosuppression, as well as cancer. Um, you know, the scariest thing that was said to me when I spoke to one of the whistleblowers 
I asked, uh, you know, hey, like, what else are you seeing? And I was told this is just the tip of the iceberg, the data that's published. And the line was something like, go to the Japanese biodistribution study of where the NLP has spread the wealth, and that's where you're going to find the problems. So how in the world do we not have an investigation on this? Why do we have one senator holding a forum? Where are all the Republicans at a federal level? And especially at the state level in the red states where they downright control the regular committee structure, why aren't they doing this? We have plenty of people that are willing to testify and have expertise in this and that could crush the other side on this because the other side, frankly, never studied this because they don't care to study it. The only people who would know are the people who created the virus, and I don't think they're going to want to bring them down. So anyway, we're going to have a lot more coming, but you need to send these shows to, to everyone. Um, you know, covidlonghaulers.com is one place I recommend. They do treat vaccine injury. Don't assume anything that's ailing you does not come from the shot. I'm not going to say everything does, but you certainly can't rule it out. It does need to be studied. They have blood panels to investigate this. Um, they are not a paid advertiser, but I certainly do recommend them. So we're going to have in the coming days a little bit more info on just what we can do more politically. Where do we stand politically? We've done a lot of science shows like today. We're going to get more into the politics of this and other issues as well. We have you covered, one-stop shop. Um, this is your place. There is no other show like it. So make this your number one podcast. Make it the number one podcast of all your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating with a comment. I really appreciate you guys doing that. Um, it just helps us get, you know, get more eyeballs. iTunes rates it based on that. Um, that's what we need. We need to get the truth out, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Truth. So help me, God. And God bless you guys for listening. Till tomorrow, we'll be back. Same time, same place. Oh, 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 oh,